Hello and welcome to the Broadcast Tech Talks podcast, the TV industry podcast from the Broadcast Tech team. My name's Jake Bickerton and I'm the editor of Broadcast Sport and Broadcast Tech magazines. In this episode of the Broadcast Tech Talks podcast, Broadcast Tech reporter Max Miller talks to Timeline TV's CEO Dan McDonnell and Head of Operations Dave Harnett about the company's recent expansion in Ealing. So we're here today because Timeline TV have installed a new, well, a new very large expansion to their base in Ealing. Um, so maybe first of all, Dan, you can give us a brief overview of kind of what's been put in and how the building's been going. Yeah, absolutely. So um, in about May last year, we started our expansion move. We've been we've been based in Ealing Studios for many years, and we um, had been looking to expand. Uh, pr- primarily to be able to introduce uh, studios to our operation at Ealing, we were only Ealing Studios were only galleries, and we wanted to to build studios. So that led to our expansion in the building you're in here in 22 Uxbridge Road. We're over f- over six floors, and we've now got uh, three studios in operation, multiple galleries, connectivity, um, and um, we are. We are fairly close to, to, to finishing. Okay, cool. And I guess, Dave, how has it been setting up in a new area and kind of going from scratch almost? <laughs> yeah, it's been um, pretty full on. Uh, we've, it, it, it was a really exciting expansion so that the, it all started because um, we, we wanted to, we knew we wanted to expand into studio shows. And then we got asked to do the uh, summer Paralympics for Channel 4 with Whisper as the production company. And um, essentially, we had to build it out very, very quickly. And that was all the technical facilities as well as the actual physically building the place and then get all the teams moved across. And then, you know, it's all the small things like making sure your health and safety and things like that's ready as well. And we, we had to deliver all of that in a really short space of time. And it's it's been really exciting to see the place pop up and the customers absolutely love it because they can have a whole floor, they can have... Um, a completely dedicated area we've got digital signage on all doors that changes depending on which production's in and and we can uh, and we've got like nice glass fronted buildings in the in a really nice healing location where there's fantastic bars and restaurants and everything around as well so so sort of moving all that stuff over was a challenge and um it's it's been really exciting to see it all come together and you still have the some offices and stuff at Ealing studios as yeah well. we've still got the operation at Ealing studios um and uh, that still continues to do shows now when we've got a, a long-standing client in Racing TV there that we uh, we run a managed service contract for as well. So the two sites are very much going. Um, uh, but as Dan said, the not being able to have that studio floor was really hindering us during COVID. And um, now that we've got, a, we've got three very large studios here and we're able to um, accommodate completely different types of show and what it can also do is enrich our remote production shows where they want to add like a studio layer to that and i guess it definitely means you can kind of move beyond just live events and go into more studio shows and kind of a whole new genres i guess and we and we have done that we we've we've picked up corporate work for for big um large corporate companies that want to do um ceo sort of briefings but make it look um uh, spectacular We've done work for um, non-sport broadcasters to do green screen filming as well. So we can do the whole scale of it. And, you know, what's, what's, what's really powerful is the live element. 
Uh, and also to say we've got, as in, on one of the floors of the building, we've built a very large data centre which underpins all of these operations. And that's another area where we were, uh, we, need, we needed more space to expand into. So now, now we've got um, a, a very big space that we can, every time somebody wants a new piece of equipment or a new idea, we can roll it out without having to worry about where we're going to house it. Regardless of your show, regardless of where you're doing your show, you can feel like you're in one place with with latency as a, as an absolute minimum. Um, there are other shows that we do that are on the other side of the world, and some of the things like the CLGP, we're we're permanent. We've got connectivity to all of those locations, so you can get to Sydney in half a second round trip, which is absolutely staggering every time I see it. And the um, uh, but but then we do other shows where there isn't as much connectivity, so we go on the internet and we 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 sort we sort of tailor those uh, remote and connectivity solutions around around the show around the spec and repeatability and affordability. But but the bottom line is everything is coming back on a on a on an ultimately connected network, and um, all the facilities are built with remote in mind, so that you can have centralized remote production, you can have decentralized remote production. Dan's got a really good example with, uh, of the Cell GP, where we have the Spanish commentators. Uh, you want to fill in on that? But... Yeah, no, the Cell GP is a, is a fantastic example of remote production. There's been many articles about it, um, and that's been, um, is now hosted out of this building. And on, on Dave's example, we do the world feed in one gallery and then we do another language feed in another gallery, but where their commentators are actually in their own country. So that's coming in. The boats are in, a, in another country. So there's kind of several elements all playing into the road production, but that, that enables you to drive down cost and get a very um, high production value product. So all of these things come into play. So when people talk about remote production, there, there is many different aspects to it now. And do you think, I'm guessing, having gone this far, you think that's kind of the future going forward for kind of live events and that? It, I, I think the future will, will always be an element of we need to look at the programme and decide how much of it will be on site, how much of it does it make sense to bring back to a remote location, um, which model works best. And, and you know, even if a programme only has a remote commentator, that's not had to travel somewhere that that could be a good a, a, a good remote production all the way through to sale GP where we have hardly anybody on site from um, a production point of view and, and, and that all of the production is done remotely so I think that that is definitely now that well it's, it's happening now and the future I think will be look at a program and and a lot of it will be remote and that obviously has big bonuses for cost savings, but also sustainability and not flying out huge teams. Yeah, the, the, the sustainability is, is one of the key um, uh, deciders yeah. about it, because even if it's cost neutral and you're saving hundreds of uh, tons of CO2 and reducing flights and reducing hotels and just reducing people traveling to airports, or even just within the UK, if you think about moving 20 or 30 people 200 miles and all of the extra burden that that brings on the environment so and you know the environment is very much in the news and 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 um every year it will get more and more important is that something when people come to you now they're looking for that when they're kind of yeah you do the production yeah absolutely it, the, you, the when we do these 
pitch processes and bid processes now, there is we've found that the uh, weighting uh, they they usually do these bigger ones with uh, with sort of weighted scores and things like that, and the weighting for um, for sustainability measures is is significantly higher than it used to be, and sometimes it's the highest. And you know we we've kind of, we've got sustainability built into us. At our core, we've got a lot of really passionate people in Timeline who who really care about bringing the broadcast industry down to uh, to to use its absolute minimum carbon emissions. And having this production remote production offering allows us to really scale that to as far as the customer wants to go. I mean, that's the whole point about decentralized remote production is it doesn't make any sense to fly those Spanish commentators to a remote production hub in the UK to go and work on an event that's in Marseille. Whereas, you know, a lot of people say, yeah, we're doing remote production and actually they're flying people into that central hub. And if you can do decentralized remote production or combine that with central offerings, it, it, it's really about tailoring it to to get every ton of CO2 down. Yeah. And it's something which, um, well, like you're saying, is in the news a lot at the moment. Is there, in addition to remote production, in terms of the design, the way the place was built, what, what else was done kind of sustainability wise? One of the one of the big things in the studio that we're we're driving towards is um, virtual reality sets. And the traditional way of doing studios is a, a lot of big trucks, a lot of sets, a lot of moving things in and building it and making a you know really impressive set. And we're we're we we've designed our studio so that we can replicate that, but in the virtual reality world. Now the the technology is fantastic, but not not particularly new what what is new for us is that we have got it all set up so it's it's all there it's ready it's calibrated and we've um got some default sets that we've designed that are really high end and uh, and the client can very quickly give us their logos or their colors and we can adjust it and you can have a very very high end virtual reality set very quickly or we can, you know, you can give a bespoke design and we can, you know, design it from scratch to get it exactly what, 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 how you like it. But once it's done, we can turn that set on and there has been no 40 foot trucks moving sets and storing sets and making things out of metal and wood. So going forward, once, once you've got your virtual reality set, then there is, there is a lot of savings that, um, environmental savings that can be done as well, but also just practical savings and keeping the cost down. If you can have a very high-end looking set, it allows, as I was saying, corporate clients to get to get a, to get a very um, uh, slick production as well as, you know, full-on broadcast clients. And those virtual reality sets have other bonuses as well. You can kind of test, I guess, a bit more easily. You don't have to build something from scratch. And yeah, and we can, we can get our utilization up. We can, we can turn a studio around a lot quicker than you can with traditional sets. Now, we, do, we still do host traditional sets and our studios can take, can take both. And sometimes a, a virtual set may not work for a production. So, you know, we, we can do both, but the, the virtual set really does drive um, speed, efficiency and uh, um, um, environmental impact. And I guess more widely, all this kind of expansion, new studios, new sets and so on has come at a time when there's a boom in kind of TV production, both in and in sporting events after COVID kind of catching up. Um, do you think this is something where that's going to continue? Obviously, you're expanding at this time. Or is it something which may continue, but not at quite the same speed once that kind of post-COVID catch-up is completed? 
I think there's always a high demand for for sport and other TV programmes and entertainment. So I, I don't know. We're obviously severely limited by COVID. So it's great that we are getting back to full strength. I, I don't see that downturning. I, th- I think mm-hmm. where people are looking for cost-effective ways to make more programming, and that's what we're delivering here. I, I think the the reality is that what COVID did bring around was the remote production revolution because we we were banging that drum for a very long time before and we had some some you know some customers that that were that were willing to work with us <clears throat> and we could deliver some 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 really innovative uh solutions but there was always that niggling in the back of the mind that maybe it should be done as an ob that maybe we should and what covid proved is that you absolutely don't have to do that obviously there are use cases where it makes sense to do that but what that really did show is that remote production works. It can consistently work. And, you know, some production teams don't want to go driving up and down the M6 all week long. You can get your best directors, your best producers working on uh, on, on, on many, many more productions if they're centralised. And you can, Dan always has a really good example about Piero. You can, you can use things like Piero and, and other analysis tools that you would only really put on your top flight sports. And now, because you, you only need to use them for the one day, you can apply those resources to, to three other productions in a week, which is, you know, the utilization for productions is much, much higher. And I think that that is kind of the revolution we've seen. There's a lot of interesting work around, um, uh, remote productions in the cloud and AI and all those things, which we, you know, we've got our R and D teams working on all the time, um, and they are very exciting. But but there's still so much further to go with with remote production, and and it's just getting more and more exciting every week. The remote production opens up a lot, I guess, in terms of kind of flexible working, and it makes it easier for people with families with all sorts of different situations to kind of work in the industry. Is that something you found? Cause, I mean, obviously, you've been recruiting as part of this. Have you been able to yeah, more widely? I mean- uh, one of the exciting things about remote production on things like Sail GP and uh, and you know other events that could be worldwide is there only a certain amount of people that can you know give up that time to fly around the world and 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 and, and interact on those programs and now bringing in um, a Sail GP or a big event into a into a centralised location allows a production to to have a much wider range of people who can work on it and b allows the the um the teams to get a much more wide, varied experience you 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 can do a, a much wider um a much wider array of programs than than the particular part that suited your your lifestyle so although some people miss out on the travel which they you know they don't like i'd say now a larger proportion of people enjoy working on more varied programs. Uh, all, all I was going to add to that is that uh, another key example with the Paralympics in mind is is that you know you've got um, people with uh, disabilities and wheelchair users and things like that that are now able to to work on shows that where travel and, and would have to have quite. Um, They'd have to do special measures to get them there to work on those events, and 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 sometimes they're more tricky to to get around uh, while you're there. Whereas here, we've got every room's wheelchair accessible, every room's able to um, have any measures that they need, and we had a, a fantastically diverse team working uh, from Whisper on the Paralympics, both Summer Paralympics and Winter Paralympics, and that I think is just another fantastic. Um, 
an, another fantastic knock-on effect of of, of centralized remote production. Well, yeah, that's going to be ex exactly my next question. To us. So, yeah. <laughs> there you go. Helps a lot with diversity and yeah. obviously with Whisper and the Paralympics, they had a huge amount of diversity across their team. So yeah, and and you know you've got a, a a group of people that know more about the sport than than anybody else, and so you've got the right people working on the right sports, and it's 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 really good to see. Yeah, definitely. Um, and I guess in addition to those kind of the facilities here and centralized, you've also brought in some new OB trucks. Do they have, are they similar to what you had before or just, or new capabilities and so on? Um, well, broadly similar into what we had before, but we've expanded our fleet quite considerably with our new production trucks. So we now have um, a, a very large fleet of 4K OB trucks. Um, and and it does complement the remote production. We have talked about remote production wanting to take people off site, but there are still programs that that need these large trucks for for whatever reason for the for the workflow that is demanded. And we're now in a in a position where we can offer um, a high very high end four K trucks um, and all the way through to to small trucks. So our, our fleet is has grown considerably over the last um, six months. Is that something where um, you think different sports or different events have are better with a bigger on-site presence, or is it a bit more it, difficult? It's not really sport-led as as such. Mm. It's more to do with with venues, connectivity, who needs to be on site because of the production requirements, and that's what I that's what I'm saying. I'm not. I don't think the future is okay. This has to be remote production. It will be what works best for the production, what works best for the environmental, the cost. The, you know all these different factors and then and then and then a solution is is um is is applied and that could be large trucks small pro trucks remote production fiber connectivity satellite so it's just another um it, it's just another kind of decision factor on the program but but we are now f fully geared up to to literally talk to uh, the production and offer any any model from full on site to full remote production and anything in between, really. Okay, and that's something, um, well, recently we've all, I think most people have heard in the industry about the kind of infamous collapse of Arena TV. Um, and is that something where you've seen, okay, a very large competitor is gone, and so we can come into this space? Or is it something you thought it was going to be growing anyway, and you were going to go for it? I mean, the 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 Arena collapse and sale of, of various assets has obviously helped us grow at a very quick speed. We were already on that journey but we've picked up a lot of equipment and a lot of resources and a lot of staff that wouldn't have been available. So it, it's we were on that journey anyway, and it was just a circumstance that's enabled us to to expand probably um, uh, at a quicker quicker rate of knots than you would traditionally have done if you had to construct OB trucks from from scratch. Yeah, we essentially doubled the, the size of the fleet um, as 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 a result of it. Um, I don't think that anyone would say that we were happy to see the demise of Arena, though. That you know, another British uh, OB company that was that was uh, an independent is uh, is a nice thing, and we would always would always support support that being in the industry, which is why we were really keen to try and make sure that as many of the staff were looked after, and um, and, and we could try and keep some of the those memories memories going with us, but. Um, uh, but yeah, it was uh, it was uh, a, a once in a career uh, circumstance, I'd say. 
certainly something I hope not to see again. No, and it did seem, I guess, well, from what you were saying, and across the whole industry, um, people were very keen to help out those affected and kind of recruit them at other businesses and so on. Was that something you specifically kind of in the aftermath were like, okay, we want to help out? Absolutely, yeah, yeah. I mean, day one, we were just calling around, making sure everyone was okay, really, more than anything. It was, there was nothing, not trying to poach people or, or, be opportunistic or anything like that these are these are kind of friends colleagues almost family uh it's, it's a fairly small industry so you had to make sure they were all all looked after there's been some talk of kind of a skill shortage in some areas and how have you found recruiting and trying to grow in that kind of environment of yeah i mean re- recruiting is, is is always a challenge and for the last about four to five years we've run our own internal training scheme I think I can't remember the exact figures but we've 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 taken on about 33 graduates over the last um four years and most of those still work for timeline and and the rest have gone on into the into the industry and that's something that we're 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 keeping going the next wave is about to start very soon so the recruitment um drive has begun for that um and that's a really part a really important part and we'd be we'd be um, we would just wouldn't have enough people within the industry if this wasn't happening across all all the different sort of uh, members of the industry. But for for timeline, it's a really key a key part because it's very very hard to find to find talent. Yeah, the skill shortage is a uh, is 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 a tough time um, at, at the moment. And as Dan says, we we are just going to have to rely on. Uh, a lot of homegrown talent and then obviously trying to attract some of those senior roles um, uh, as much as we can. And you think that's the, the key is to kind of for companies to have their own kind of homegrown, bringing people through straight from graduates? Uh, not just graduates. Where graduates is, is one program we yeah. have. We want we want to open up applications from, you know, all, all areas of the of the population to, to get diversity and to get a, a really good talent pool. So, yeah, we, we have a graduate scheme. We also have other schemes and looking at apprentices and, and, and various other options. But yeah, getting getting new people in um, is a key is a key strategy on our diversity and inclusion policies because we need those people to come through from the entry schemes all the way through, you know, in in several years into senior management um, to, to really be able to, to drive that. And that's an important part of it as well, kind of making sure they, they have room to grow. They're not just coming in to a set role and then... Absolutely. You know, move on. Yeah. I mean, Timeline, I would say from a very personal level, is is a is a, a, a fantastic place to thrive. I, you know, I joined as a, as a sound guarantee in the outside broadcast department in, I don't know when, several years ago. And uh, I, I've personally been able to come all the way through up to, um, you know, head of operations, uh, very senior role. And and those, the space to grow within this company is something that you don't see in a lot of places. Uh, the, the term uh, dead person shoes is kind of a uh, thrown around a lot. You've got to wait for the, someone else to leave. Whereas here, we, because of the expansion, because of the way we work, there is a lot of opportunities to thrive. And we're really, we've seen that with our graduate program and we've seen um, a lot more of, of, of a diverse group getting into into more senior roles and we're just trying to continue that further and further. Okay, and now you've got, got all the people on board, you've got the new base, you've kind of got the new OB trucks. What's, what's the kind of the next steps, I guess, for Timeline? 
Well, the, the the people is a is a continuing. You know, we're 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 always recruiting and and looking for new people, um, and it's now consolidating on on all of that. It's finding the productions that that are a good fit to our facilities and uh, keeping looking at new technology and keeping ahead of the curve. That's what we have to do, and that's what we what we thrive on doing. Looking at new ideas, developing them, and then rolling them out, which is kind of what remote production was and is and is now mainstream yeah we've always we've always um liked to think of ourselves as, as very much uh innovators and on the edge of of technology um and uh so we we put a lot of effort into our r&d processes and 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 seeing what's going on and um making the best we can with the technology that's available and outside of remote production what do you think will be the next kind of big jump for the industry 5g is something that obviously has been banded around a lot um because it could be really exciting if, if we are able to get to that point where we can book secured bandwidth and be able to deliver uh, guaranteed bandwidths at various places where currently you have to contend with all the public um and and so that will be really exciting because then that will open up a big wide range of opportunities to places that you currently have to get fiber fiber connectivity into and I think what that shows is the remote production is a, is a kind of a tag word that can have a huge, you could add in AI robotic cameras following football match without people being there. You can add in remote control cameras being done from the other side of the world like we're doing with Sail GP. So the, the remote production banner has got a long way to grow with new technology that will be feeding into into that. Um, so, so I think that you know, we are only at the very beginning of that of that curve if you enjoyed this podcast please subscribe and rate us i'll see you next time for the next episode of the broadcast tech talk series 